It's a roster rebuild plan on today's Lachlan Giants podcast. How do I think the Giants should go about fixing what ails them? Stay tuned. I'm going to discuss it and break it all down coming up next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and happy Friday to everybody. We made it, folks. Yep, the end of another week. We're that much closer to the end of the regular season, and pretty sad, don't you think, that we're talking about ending the regular season, but it's just been that kind of year. But um, anyway, today's episode is brought to you on part by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. All right. Speaking of the Super Bowl, we know that the Giants aren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, if they lose this weekend to Dallas, which is a pretty good chance they will, they will officially be out of the playoffs. But how about we start thinking ahead as to how this team could fix itself or get fixed and maybe give itself a better chance to not only make the playoffs, but also uh, be considered for the Super Bowl, you know, make a Super Bowl run. And uh, so anyway, I'm going to look ahead. I've been promising you um, this episode and here it is. What I am going to do is I am going to run down the offense, the defense, special teams. I'm going to talk coaching and I'm going to talk front office. That's right. I'm going from top to bottom and I'm going to tell you my opinion as to whether the Giants should tweak, whether they should blow it up and start all over, or if they should stand pat with what they have. Now, Spoiler alert, I am also doing a series to this effect on Giants country. It's going to be a little bit more detailed only because um, time constraints here on the podcast versus um, unlimited space on Giants country. So it'll be a kind of a companion piece if you want to check that out. But I'll be doing that in stages and that's going to start next week. I'm going to have quarterbacks and then I'm doing front office and then I'm not sure which order I'm going to do everything in, but it's going to be a companion piece. So hope you will check that out on Giants Country as well. And of course, as always, feel free to let me know what you think about the uh, about what I have to say. If you agree, disagree, you can drop a comment if you're watching on YouTube or if you are what, uh, listening on any of our audio platforms, send an email to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, I'm always welcoming what you guys think. All right. So enough chatter. Let's get into it. I'm going to start off with the offense. And again, the options here are tweak, blow it up, or stand pat. Now, with the quarterbacks, I think they're going to tweak. All right. So Daniel Jones, despite what everybody might be thinking, will be back next year. You know, I was the one who asked head coach Joe Judge on Wednesday, if, you know, worst case scenario, Daniel Jones's season was over, would they consider, uh, have they seen enough to say whether or not they want to move forward with him? And Joe 
predictably said, absolutely, he's our guy, we're moving forward with him, as they should, you know, now I know there are people out there that want Russell Wilson, but if the reported asking price is three first round draft picks to start, I'm sorry, folks, fix the offensive line, don't waste draft picks on a position that, you know, well, you may or may not need in this case, I mean, this whole argument almost reminds me a little bit of the Saquon Barkley argument when the Giants needed offensive linemen back in 2018 and they went with the running back because, you know, why not, right? And we, we all know how that worked out. So I don't think Russell Wilson is an option here. I think what the Giants could potentially do is, um, you know, they'll let Daniel Jones play out the contract. Now, this is interesting. Um Recently, I had spoken about not picking up Daniel Jones's um, option here, which they have to decide on next year. I went back and I looked at the numbers. You know, I should probably look at the numbers before I give an opinion, but I went back and I looked at the numbers. Where would it be most economically, speak, you know, economicals for the Giants uh, to either pick it up or not pick it up? And what I found is if the projections for the salary cap and Daniel Jones's um, franchise tag when the time comes versus the first, the uh, fifth year option all play out. The Daniel Jones would end up costing the Giants um, 13% of their 2023 salary cap if the team were to franchise him versus 9% if they were to just pick up his rookie option. Now, Considering this team has a lot of issues with it, I would not be wasting money unnecessarily. I think, you know, from a cost perspective, yes, it does make sense to pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option. Worst case scenario, if the guy doesn't work out, then you move on. But, you know, you start getting involved with the franchise tag. And if the two sides can't reach a deal, then all of a sudden you're stuck. I think. Cost-wise, it makes sense to to do to go that direction. Now, what I would change here, Mike Lennon, I would definitely swap out. Now, here's something I don't think a lot of people have discussed when it comes to the quarterback. Why did Mike Lennon come in and the Giants not renew Colt McCoy? Well, the answer, folks, is yep, you guessed it, money. Colt McCoy, when he was signed last year, had a contract. I think it was worth two point three five million. Glennon had a contract for about $825,000 less. So the Giants, obviously, in cutting that corner, they were able to throw money at other positions. And at the same time, they cost themselves, you know, with a good backup quarterback. I mean, Mike Glennon, he has a strong arm, although it drives me crazy when he throws off that back foot. I don't know about you, but he throws off that back foot and he misses his targets quite often. Um, So anyway, yeah, Mike Lennon uh, over Colt McCoy, that was a mistake. Uh, McCoy didn't have the strong arm, but you know what? McCoy had the athleticism. He also had, you know, the, the intelligence, which Glennon has too. I don't want you to think I, I think Glennon's a dull, but McCoy was the better option. And the Giants cut a corner there. And I think we can all agree that that was a problem. So um, now what are the Giants go from here at backup? I'm thinking, you know, just based on what Joe Judge has done in the past with bringing in former Alabama players, former Patriot players, former uh, Georgia players, former um, Miami players, 
keep an eye on Jacoby Brissett, who is currently with uh, Miami. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted Jacoby Brissett actually a few years ago when he was a free agent. And of course the Giants didn't go for him, but you wonder, you know, especially with Jerry Shaplinski on the staff, would the Giants make a pitch for, for Jacoby Brissett um, in place of Mike Glennon? I would not mind that personally. I mean, I think Jacoby Brissett is not a bad quarterback. So I would not mind if they make that swap. And then, of course, you know, the Giants have Jake Fromm, who, you know, we don't know as of this recording what they exactly have in him. Hopefully they find out. I don't know if Jake Fromm is going to play this weekend against the Cowboys. I suspect if it's a blowout, you might see him um, in garbage time. But uh See what you've got in him. Develop him. Maybe he could be that young guy that you develop. And, you know, if you sign Jacoby Brissett or a veteran to like a one or two year deal, then maybe you transition to, to, to Fromm if he's around. Because I think Fromm, I think they're, the Giants are going to have him under contract if they want him at any rate for at least the next, I want to say, three years. So that's how I would take it with the quarterback. So the verdict, tweak it. They don't have to blow up that position. Just tweak it. All right, let's go to the running back spot. Now, the running back spot, this one, I would stand pat here. The Giants have Saquon Barkley, and I know, I know, Barkley hasn't been healthy. He's a home run hitter, you know, feast or famine type runner. I know he drives me crazy with that dancing behind the offensive line. Um, You know, Booker, Devonta Booker is under contract for another year. You've got... um, Eli Penny, who I think will, is relatively cost-effective. The, the running backs, to me, I think they can get by with what they have. They obviously need to improve the uh, run blocking. However, um, I would not go and make wholesale changes at running back. I don't think it is necessary. So I'm going to say keep it as is. I'm also going to say since Saquon Barkley, this is year four of his contract, I think. So his, his option year was already picked up. So you don't have to do anything with him contract wise next year because his cap hit is actually going to be lower than what it was um, this year. I think it's like 3 million or so lower. So just leave that position as is don't need to blow that up at all. Okay. Receiver. I think you've got to tweak that spot. All right. Kenny Galladay is going to be back because of the contract. Um, I think they get rid of uh, Darius Slayton, who's just been an absolute disappointment, has not been able to to replicate or come close to replicating his rookie season. Um, Sterling Shepard, I think, is gone. He's got a high cap hit next year. And, you know, the injuries just unfortunately have done him in. It's a shame because I like Sterling. I would have liked to have seen him stick around and finish out his contract, but you just can't justify it. But um, so you've got Galladay. You're going to have Kadarius Tony, hopefully healthy and able to contribute. So you've got a one and two option there. The Giants are going to have to add a three somewhere if they don't already have somebody on the roster. Is it Colin Johnson? I don't know. Is it Farrell Cooper? I don't know. Is it John Ross? You know, John Ross is intriguing. I, I would consider him, but can they do better in that spot? That remains to be seen. I haven't, you know, as I record this, I haven't looked deeply into who might be a free agent next year, but um, definitely I think they have to tweak that position. Um, they've got the core in place. They've got to tweak it. 
and just clean out some of the, you know, the dead weight, if you will. Okay, tight end. Dump them all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Evan Ingram is going to be a free agent. I don't think he comes back. Kyle Rudolph is in year two, will be in year two of his two-year deal. Move on. Get a new get, get a new tight end. I mean, I think tight end has to be a draft need uh, for this team. So um, I would move on from Kyle Rudolph. He's he, to me, he's looked slow. I, and I suspect that's because of the foot. The foot is not a hundred percent, but just, you know, and, and part of it's also the scheme. I'm not going to put it all on the player, but I would move on. Just get new talent at tight end. You know, is Caden Smith worth saving? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you want a good blocking tight end, I, I would consider it. Chris Myrick, the, you know, my jury is still out on him, but the Giants got to totally blow up that that tight end position and start from scratch there, I think. You know, just get some some good talent through the draft. I don't know that they'll be able to afford via free agency, but I think they should be able to come up with guys in the draft to make that position a little bit better. Once, of course, the Giants figure out what kind of offensive system they're going to run. That's been the other problem, but we'll save that until we get to coaching. All right. And then the final position, which I have saved for offense, is the offensive line. All right. You guys know what I'm going to say. Blow it up. That offensive line. My gosh. Right now, I think you can make the argument that the Giants have one solid starter on that offensive line today. Andrew Thomas. All right. Now, if Nick Gates is able to come back from his broken leg, and by the way, I saw Nick the other day at practice or coming back from the practice field. God bless him. He was walking on his own without a crutch or anything like that. He had a limp, but he was walking. He is one tough hombre. If he can come back, what I would do is kick him out to one of the guard spots, get a new center. I'm sorry. I don't think Billy Price is the answer. You'd have to get another guard, and then you'd have to figure out what you have at tackle. Now, can Isaiah Wilson be one of the answers on that offensive line? I can't answer that because I haven't seen the guy practice. That part of practice is closed to the media. So that's an option, certainly, at either guard or tackle, where I think Isaiah Wilson's been working at both spots. But uh, right now, only the coaches know how far along he is. So for sure, I would think the Giants would need maybe two two um, options. And uh, I'm, I'm Matt Pert has, you know, he's a guy hit and miss. I, I don't think he's come right out and convinced me that he's the answer. But I sure would like to see more of him the, these last few weeks before I officially say, nope, that's it. Got to write him off. But uh, here's the other thing, folks. The Giants don't have a whole lot of young talent in the pipeline. That is a big, big mistake made by the front office. So get some more young talent in that pipeline. You've got nine draft picks. If they don't have it, if they don't devote at least two picks to the offensive line this year, or next year, I should say, then then I give up. I mean, seriously, I don't know what they're thinking. So the offensive line, blow it up. All right. Just ahead, we're going to talk defense. And uh, spoiler alert, the defense, not as bad as the offense. 
All right, Giant fans. Sadly, I think we can all agree the New York Giants aren't going to the Super Bowl this year, and who knows when they'll next be at the Super Bowl. But anyway, Super Bowl 56 at Los Angeles' SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You can select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences, Featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels, and food prepared by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. Again, that's onlocationexp slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. The Super Bowl is going to be here before you know it and plan on getting there with on location. All right, Giant fans, still more to come on today's show. But first, Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house and head-to-head fantasy matchups. Winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineup before you play, and you can handpick the team that you want to face them one-on-one. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for and stat hero has no choice but to take it because they are daring you to beat them stat hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy sports should be one-on-one sign up today for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on for a 100 deposit match again that code is locked on or that url is stathero.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply stathero.com slash locked on all right let's kick it off on defense with the defensive line um i'm gonna say tweak for that unit um i think leonard williams despite the fact that he doesn't have the sack production that he had last year which i'm not surprised by the way um he's a keeper i think dexter lawrence is a keeper he's you know certainly going to be under contract that that'll be his contract year by the way with dexter lawrence so That'll be interesting to see because, you know, everybody's talking about how Daniel Jones and the Giants got to make a decision whether to pick up Jones's option year. They also have to make a decision on whether or not to pick up Dexter Lawrence's. So we'll see if they do that. Um, I think Austin Johnson is definitely a keeper. Danny Shelton, I would move on from him. Um, And I would look to get another offensive lineman. I'm sorry, another defensive lineman on that defensive line unit. I, I just feel like, you know, um, I, I just don't feel like they have enough there. You know, Raymond Johnson's been solid, but still, you know, limited number of snaps. I think the jury's still out on him. Get another interior guy, I think, and, and maybe consider, you know, how they're playing these guys. Like, for example, I wonder if maybe, you know, Dexter Lawrence, would he be a better fit inside as opposed to on the end and there? So, um, yeah, I, I just think there maybe need one guy there to kind of fix that up. Now, maybe it's David Moa, maybe, you know, it's one of these guys that they have on the practice squad. I don't know, but, um, I would bring in another guy just for some competition on that defensive line. All right. Edge rusher. I don't see Lorenzo Carter, who's going to be a, a UFA back next year. I do not think O'Shane Zimenez will be on this roster next year. So now you are left with Quincy Roche 
and Aziz Ojulari as your one and two guys who should be your starters next year. I'm fine with that, by the way. I like those two. Ellerson Smith can certainly, um, you know, contribute in the pass rush. I don't know if he's a solid number three pass rusher. Remember, I always say on this show and in my articles that the key to a good defense is to have three solid pass rushers, at least that you can rotate in and out. And right now the Giants, I don't think can say they have that. Ellerson Smith maybe has the potential to be that way, but, um, you know, his rookie season, I think you got to give it an incomplete. So I, I, I would need to see more from him, you know, because we just, we just didn't see enough of him in the summertime. He, he wasn't able to get on the field. I don't know what they have in there, but it, Hey, listen, if the giants were, were in a position to pick up another edge rusher, I would not lose any sleep over that or cry about that. I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't. Um, so yeah, uh, then they have Carter Coughlin, um, who I think will be coming off of injury, um, who can be a spot pass rusher, but I would just get another guy in there. You know, I mean, they just don't have enough. I feel like they don't have enough. And now I understand why Ernie, of course, he said, you can never have too many pass rushers on your team. The Giants just don't have that. They did, you know, when they won the last one, the Super Bowl in 2011, they did for 2007. Since then, nah, they don't. So, all right. Um, inside linebacker. I'm going to say blow that unit up. Yeah. Okay. So to recap, Blake Martinez is coming off the ACL. I think he will be kept on the, on the team, even though his salary cap number has gone up due to a restructuring. Um, I'm not so sure the Giants have a, a solid number two along of Martinez. Tay Crowder is good in coverage, um, good blitzer, but a lot of his tackles are not made within the first three yards of the line of scrimmage, which is a problem. Reggie Ragland just hasn't been very, you know, he hasn't been what I thought he would be, which was a solid downhill um, linebacker. Um, Cam Brown, you know, he could play inside, outside, but he's more of a special teams guy. And I know I'm missing somebody else here, but, you know, the bottom line is, is that this inside linebacker group is rather forgettable. So I would look to maybe add a linebacker to that group to just, just to beef it up a little bit. I think Martinez, because that injury happened early enough in the year, he should be good to go next year, not have any problems. Assuming he doesn't have any setbacks, but they definitely need to add to that group, in my opinion. All right. Defensive backs. We'll talk cornerbacks first. I would not be shocked if James Bradbury is not on this team next year. Now, uh, I say that because James Bradbury has a 20 plus million dollar cap hit, has not produced like a 20 plus million dollar uh, cornerback, has always had trouble with speed. You know, now part of it, again, to be fair, part of this has been the scheme. You can't have James Bradbury lining up 10, 12 yards off of, of a receiver when he's at his best playing a little bit closer. So I get that, but I just think that's a lot of money for a guy, you know, and I think he's got a $2 million roster bonus, if I'm not mistaken, due the fifth year of the new, next uh, league year. So I'm sorry. I would maybe look to move on from him. 
Um, you've got a Dory Jackson on one end. Aaron Robinson has been filling in uh, for a Dory for a Dory Jackson when he's been injured. Although now uh, Robinson tested positive for COVID, so he's he could be looking at uh, missing one or two games, depending on when that you know the ten day meter starts. Um, so yeah, I I would definitely um, look. I would definitely look to to upgrade the cornerback spot. You see now with all the injuries and the issues that are popping up on this uh, at the defensive backs position, specifically cornerback, they just don't have enough. Now, Darnay Holmes, you know, you bring him back, obviously, um, and you let him compete for the slot. You know, Julian Love can play the slot. I think it's safety. They're pretty set. You know, Xavier McKinney, Logan Ryan. I don't think Jabril Peppers will be back next year. You know, maybe you look to bring in another safety, but you're talking some tweaks there. Again, I don't think that's a unit you blow up um, uh, on the whole. You, you, you definitely have to make some tweaks, but it's not like you're starting from scratch all over again. All right. And then um, I also want to mention special teams. And it's interesting because special teams coordinator Thomas McGahee said on Thursday that Riley Dixon had his best game punting against the Chargers. I respect T-Mac. I like T-Mac and he will know more about special teams than I ever will, but I'm sorry. I don't see how you can say a guy had his best punting game. If he's hitting balls into the end zone and giving the, the you know, a, a potent offense, a shorter field to work with. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't see Riley Dixon being this team's punter next year. He's been inconsistent for the last two years. He's making a, you know, a, a pretty penny, if you will, move on. It's that simple. It's just time for a new punter. All right. Graham Gano, fine. I have no problem with him, obviously. I've got no problem with them bringing back Casey Kreider, the long snapper. Um, Farrow Cooper as a returner. Intriguing. I would bring him back and I would let him try out for, you know, I, or compete for, for that spot. Um, but yeah, special teams. You know, I, th- I think really the punter is what you've got to consider changing out. Now, I will say this about Riley Dixon for what it's worth. When it comes to holding for place kicks, the guy's been, been you know, money. And that's an important factor that has to be taken into consideration if they do indeed swap out Riley Dixon for another punter. All right. Now, I saved the front office and coaching for last. What do I think about them? Oh boy. Hey, Giant fans, before we get back to today's show, Built Bar is going all out to make this holiday season the most delicious time of year with a winter wonderland of a deal. Featuring amazing new flavors such as Built Cray Bars and their amazing puffs and ruby chocolate and lemon dip cheesecake, these and Built's other amazing flavors are available right now. Use their special promo code LOCK15 and you can save 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Customize your box any way you want with Bill Crave, traditional Bilt Bars, Puffs, and save 15% off with the code LOCK15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, we have still more to go on today's show as we Look at how the Giants should address their roster. But first, it's the most wonderful time of the year as college football gears up for the playoffs. The NFL playoff 
race is taking shape and the NBA and NHL continue to heat up. And no matter what your sport, Bet Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. Visit betonline.ag today and get your 50% welcome bonus with the code locked on. All right, Giant fans, you are on a Friday edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Patricia Trainer here with you and you know, originally I was going to do this, um, the show that I'm doing today, which is basically how to fix the Giants roster. I was going to break it up into a series, but um, I'm going to just na- run through it, the entire uh, segment, the individual um, position groups I am writing about on Giants country. I'm going into a little bit more detail because, you know, each position group requires, um, you know, has different questions, which some of which I've answered here. Some of which, you know, I, I've gone and I've had to do some additional research. So just treat this as like an overview of that series. And then if you want to check it out on Giants Country, um, starting next week on Monday, I'm going to release one article a day um, outlining it because there's just a lot to write. And these are these articles, I've, I've done two already as of this recording, and they're like over a thousand words a pop. So you could tell just how much detail I'm putting in. But anyway, let us talk front office and coaching staff. I will start with the front office. Now, I like Dave Gettleman as a person. You know, I've said that before on the show. He and I have, you know, we're both cancer survivors. I think Dave, when he came in, had every good intention of, you know, kicking ass as he had promised he would. That said, um, some of Dave's approaches are a bit outdated. You know, he always talks about, you know, certain things and what, what a team needs to be successful and what a team needed to be successful 20, 30 years ago might not be necessarily the case today with how players and position groups are evolving. As I see it, Dave and the front office have been, um, they've made a few critical errors along the way. And I'm going to outline them for you. And to me, these are all, you know, when you put them all together, this is, this is enough justification to make the switch at general manager. Number one, they have consistently overestimated the value of their talent. Go back to 2018 when they thought they were, they could compete and rebuild at the same time. Mm-mm. You can't, you're either com- a competitor or you're rebuilding. You cannot be both. That was a mistake to Dave's credit. He admitted that he made. But along the way, that's why we have Saquon Barkley and not Quentin Nelson or another offensive lineman, because the feeling was, okay, well, we've got Eli Manning. So let's get a good running game in here. That'll take some of the onus off of him, take some of the pressure off of him so that he doesn't have to throw the ball 600 times a season. Did work. All right. That leads me to mistake number two, the offensive line. Now, I said this many, many times. I will say it again. What do Buffalo, Kansas City, and New England, and those are just, and Green Bay, you could say, well, not Green Bay, but Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers, and New England all have in common? 
The answer is, is they put a solid offensive line in place ahead of drafting a rookie quarterback. All right. So I never understood why the Giants kept with this patchwork approach with the offensive line, getting these guys who were just, you know, they were just another guy. And, you know, they actually thought this was going to work. And what happened? Well, hey, they transitioned from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones has yet to have a solid offensive line in front of him. How is this guy supposed to develop? How is this guy supposed to show if he's the answer or not, if he's constantly running for his life or he's constantly on his back? You know, look, I'm not sold on Daniel Jones 100% either, but to give, let, let's give credit where it's due here. The guy hasn't exactly had help from, from the front office. So the mere fact that the Giants have tried to patchwork that offensive line, and here's the thing that really irks me. They didn't put young talent in the pipeline, which is something Jerry Reese didn't do, which I don't know if you were reading me back in the day, but I I remember writing an article for Bleacher Report, and I absolutely blasted them for not taking that approach. Now, look at the talent, okay? So what Gettleman did this year, didn't address the offensive line. He signed, what, two undrafted free agents, both of whom didn't make the practice squad, let alone the roster. He, he decided, okay, let the kids play, which, you know, theoretically not a bad idea if the kids show that they have some talent. And all along, you know, whenever I would ask, and I remember asking Joe Judge this, saying, look, what makes you think that this group is going to be okay? And all Joe could say was, I like the way they work. Well, big deal. You know, I, I, I like the way, you know, I've worked with people and I've managed people and I can say, well, I like the way they work, but that didn't mean they could get the job done. You either can get the job done or you can't get the job done. And just because you can work well, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to perform well. I don't get it. All right. Um, so anyway, the Giants, as I, I think I wrote last year, the plan was go with the young offensive line and have the veteran group as the safety net. But here was the flaw with that plan. These guys, these veterans aren't going to be around forever. So where's your young talent in the pipeline? You don't have it. So now when you have injuries or you have retirements or guys, you know, their contracts end, end, who replaces these guys? The answer is you don't have anybody. Now you've got to trade for the Billy Prices of the world, or you've got to pick guys up off the street. It's not a good way to build a roster. It's not a good way to build an offensive line. And that to me is just such a glaring, glaring mark on this front office regime. And, uh, you know, is that the sole reason for, for it being a fireable offense? It's a big one especially since you, you, you've been saying for four years, you're going to fix it, All right? So that was another thing. I mentioned the overvaluing of, of talent, all right? The contracts, you know, even though I understood why the contract Jonathan Stewart got was ridiculous. And I again, I, I got why they brought him in. I really did. But the money, come on. You know, um, Devonta Booker, 
even though he's been solid? Did they have to shell out that kind of money? Did they have to shell out the kind of money that they gave to, to, to Kyle Rudolph, who was a guy who had a foot injury? So just little things like that. And then here's the biggest thing. You guys know that I like to, to talk about the cap, that I'm into the salary cap. What I found absolutely maddening is that the Giants went and for the third time in the last decade thought that free agency could fix what ails them. And it didn't work the first time. It didn't work the second time. It ain't working now. All right. How many times do you have to do this and go down this road to know that free agency is not the way to fix a roster, that there is no quick fix? That's like those diet ads out there that say, oh, if you take one teaspoon of this or this pill, you'll melt 30 pounds in a month. Baloney, there is no quick fix. It is a slow and steady process. It is the same way with a roster. And hey, a quick fix, if you are looking for a quick fix, is to draft well and use free agency to supplement what maybe the draft can't offer. That's how you build a roster. And Dave went away from that. Why? I don't know. But they went away from it. And now guess what? Their 2022 cap is a mess. And by the way, I will do another show on that down the line about that, because that's going to be a fun one. All right. So that's just a few of the things that just really jumped out. Oh, there's actually one more thing. Um, Dave always had a, a philosophy that injured guys are going to get injured. All right. So last year in free agency, he signed guys who were relatively healthy, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, um, you know, those guys didn't have injury histories. What do they do this year? They sign guys with injury histories. Adoree Jackson, Kenny Galladay, John Ross. I mean, come on, what do you do? And it's, it's almost like everything Dave has, has preached against in the past, he went and he did the opposite this year. I mean, are we in a bizarre world or something? Are we, you know, is this the Seinfeld episode of, of the opposite? I, I don't know. But all this, the bottom line is all this, has not worked out. And I do not think the Giants and Dave Gettleman, if they do indeed part, which I do think they will, they're not going to come right out and say, Dave Gettleman's been fired. It's going to be Dave's retired. And that's fine. That's fine. However they want to spin it is fine. Um, They just next year, you know, next year, if they are in the market for a new GM, don't promote from with it please blow, you know, and by now folks, you could probably tell, I feel they should blow up the, you know, the front office and start from scratch. That means don't promote from within because you're basically promoting guys from that same tree who may have those same philosophies. Start it from scratch, get a younger, uh, get a, a, a GM in here who is more innovative, who's got fresher ideas, who's, who's maybe a little bit more in tune with today's game, who I think, you know, I, and I think this is important, who can also do a little bit better job at managing the salary cap. The Giants right now, um, going back to Ernie at Corsi, they've had a salary cap manager, Kevin Abrams, who for the most part has done a great job, but I would feel a lot better if my general manager could do that. And I know it's, you know, people say, well, that's a big task to take on. It's really not. If you have a good spreadsheet and you have the latest numbers, which 
you know, are provided to the GMs, it's not that big of a deal. It is not that hard. You know, you just need to know what are the different vehicles and how you can structure contracts. And if the Giants can get a two for, you know, a guy who can be the GM and know how to manage the cap and structure contracts, even better. All right. So that's my feeling on the front office, you know, and, um, you know, with that, you also have the scouting and the personnel departments. Now, I don't think you can blow up the scouting department because you are smack dab in the middle of college scouting season and the time to really make any wholesale changes on that, that unit would be after the draft. So they may have to write it out. I don't know, but uh, they got to, they got to change stuff up plain and simple. So yeah, blow it up at the front office level. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about the coaching staff. Now, I believe Joe Judge will be back next year. I also believe, just in listening to what Joe has said over the last couple of weeks, and with this is just an educated guess on my part, that when Joe came in for his interview with Giants ownership, he basically told them that this process that he keeps talking about was going to take a while to implement and to be patient. Now, here's the thing. Joe Judge, if I'm, if I'm Giants ownership, I give him one more year to start moving that needle up because whatever progress Joe is seeing made behind the scenes, great. But if that's not transferring onto the field, that's the problem because that is the bottom line. Now, see, here's where things get a little tricky for Joe. And I think where Joe sometimes forgets. Joe always says that I'm not interested in the past. Okay, fine. So in in Joe's mind, this is a two-year rebuild. Well, I'm sorry, in the giant fan's mind, this rebuild's been going on now for for a decade, if not more, maybe a little more than a decade, right? So there's a balance to be struck here. And every time you have a new coaching staff come in, yes, you are pressing the reset button. But with that said, you know, you've got to, you've got to appease to a degree, the paying customers. You can't sit there and say, well, I'm seeing progress. I'm seeing progress when the results aren't there on the field. And I know Joe has tried to explain it a few times, but giant fans don't want to hear it. And rightfully so, because like I said, the last 10 years or so, with the exception of maybe 2016, The results haven't been there. All right. So what do you do with the coaching staff? Well, as I said, I think you keep Joe for another year. And I know a lot of people are like, well, if you're going to change out the GM, he should be allowed to to bring in his own, you know, head coaching candidate. What I tell a GM in that case is look, keep Joe for a year, try and work it, work with him. If it doesn't work, start over with your guy. That's the compromise. I think they try to reach. So getting back to Joe and the coaching staff, I know I keep getting away from that, but anyway, I definitely redo some of the assistant coaches. All right. Now, which group do I redo? You could probably look down the list and say, okay, which units have been underperforming? Um, but that's subjective. You know, I mean, can you, can you make the case that tight ends have underperformed? 
possibly, but here's the problem. You look at the scheme first and foremost, and I find it fascinating. Maybe you don't, but I know I do. Daniel Jones in his first year, Pat Shermer's system, say whatever you want about it, but he was able to get a lot out of Daniel Jones as a rookie. And since then, Jason Garrett wasn't able to do it. Um, Freddie Kitchens, obviously the jury's still out because Daniel's been injured. But the point being is, is this new system, which was supposed to be more of a strength, you know, complement more of Jones's strength has not. So if I'm Joe Judge, I'm not so sure I name Freddie Kitchens my full-time offensive coordinator. I think I go outside and I get somebody who can put a system in that can tap into the best of what these players can do. You know, Joe is always saying, don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do. But what happens, we see game plans where the players are asked to do things they can't do. And it drives me nuts. So something's got to be done on that level. What that something is, I don't know. But I would start with the offensive coordinator. And I would not name Freddie Kitchens the full-time offensive coordinator. And then one final quibble about the coaching staff. Look, I get it. There's something to be said about surrounding yourself with people you know. But you know what? It's a big world out there. Sometimes when you step outside of your comfort level, sometimes you just might be rewarded. All right. And I, I say that because Joe's staff basically consists of guys that he's worked with before. I think Tyke Tolbert is, is the only member of the staff that uh, is an exception. Otherwise, the Dallas, the two guys that came from Dallas, Mark Colombo last year, Jason Garrett, they tried and that relationship failed for different reasons, obviously. Um, Pat Flaherty, I don't think he's worked with Pat Flaherty before this year, but, uh, you know, that's an exception. The point being is, is look, and this used to drive me crazy sometimes with the Coughlin era when they constantly went to BC or Syracuse for players. There are other avenues to find coaches There are other avenues to find consultants and players. You don't have to keep going back to the Alabamas or the Georgias or any, you know, any of that Nick Saban tree. You don't have to keep going back to, you know, New England or Miami or Green Bay where your, you know, your coordinators came from or, or, you know, where you came from to find players. Go outside your comfort zone. It's a big world out there. And yes, it will require a little bit more, you know, time to look and vet people out. But if you do it, just might find somebody who who turns out to be a gem, a keeper. And I'd like to see the Giants, you know, the coaching staff do more of that because I don't think they do enough of it based on what I have seen so far. And then, you know, from a media perspective, minor quibble is, you know, look, I get it. Joe doesn't want to talk badly about anybody. I can appreciate that. I know I wouldn't want my my boss getting online and saying bad things about me or negative things about me. But it's okay to say if the team isn't performing, you know, it's okay to say, hey, you know, the whole Locked On Network, you know, we need to do better as a group 
or, you know, we're not delivering on, you know, our, our advertising reads or, or whatever the case might be. It's okay to do that. Even if it's just one or two people that are responsible for that. And I don't think there's enough honesty. You know, it's, it's always Joe trying to be optimistic, trying to find the, the uh, silver lining. And I understand that because I can be like that myself, but at some point you just got to take the rose colored glasses off and say, Hey, this is what it is. And, you know, I, I just can't help but think that if you're more honest with yourself and with the people who are buying the tickets and the jerseys and the apparel and all the stuff with the logo on it, maybe that'll make a difference in, in that, you know, you'll get a little bit more support. I mean, the people, the giant fans, especially, they're not stupid. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, look, we didn't play well as a team. You're not singling anybody out. We didn't coach well as a, as a group. Again, you're not singling anybody out. Hopefully that's something Joe, you know, realizes as he gets, as he grows in, in this job. Okay, folks, that'll do it for today's episode of the Lata Giants podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Plenty more still to come. Hope you will check us out again. Thank you for tuning in, making us your first listen or first watch of the day. Have a great weekend, everybody. Catch you Monday.